excited to be in the church today. I just love what God is doing in the midst of our church. Some of y'all, if you're here for the sex series that finished, praise God. And uh, you can check that on the podcast. I'm really happy to be here this morning. I was excited because uh, we're, we're bringing an old series back that I told you last year. I would do this year. Before I do that, I want to just welcome all of our visitors today. Would you put your hands together for our visitors? You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to worship with us here at Citywide Church. And, and honestly, we don't take that for granted. That means the world to us. And, and I'll tell you one thing further. We've been praying for you. We've been expecting you. And we're believing God. He's going to change your life today and work a mighty, somebody say mighty miracle. In Jesus' name. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37? Genesis chapter 37. And I'm excited because, and I use that word excited a lot, and I put in my notes that, Lewis, you have to stop saying excited. I say that all the time to myself, and, but I still use it because it's one of my favorite words. Praise God. Amen. And if you look at Genesis 37, I'm, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> Because I get to preach with, with you about the things in my life that the Lord is working on. Amen? So we're in this series that we've entitled again, Confessions of a Madman. And, and you know, a lot of pastors like to, to, to give this image as if they've got it all together. And I want you to know that Louis Burgos does not have it all together. And I want to spend the next three weeks just being transparent with you about things that pastors struggle with. And I bet you if I struggle with some of these things, I know that you struggle with some of these things. Amen? And I want to spend the next three weeks just talking about things that in my life have either tripped me up, messed me up, or things that I've had to overcome in order to be the man of God that he's called me to be. Amen? I'm not going to be that pastor who tries to preach to you about things that I don't know anything about. I preach to you about what I've been through, where God has brought me from, amen? And I hope by the end of these three weeks that you have a better picture of what a crazy person your pastor is, amen? When we first named this series and I said Confessions of a Madman, some of the staff said, that's perfect, you're crazy, you're absolutely just nuts. Uh, the way your brain works is not normal and this is a perfect series for you. And I want to be candid with you for the next couple of weeks. Are you ready for my first confession this week? I'm going to give you two. The first one's for me. The second one's for you. Amen. This is, I'll phrase it for myself first, and then I'll phrase it for you afterwards. And, and before I go further, our, our flagship scripture is, again, Romans 7, 15, where it declares, Paul writes, I don't really understand myself. Can I have a witness in a place? I mean, we could, we could spend a month on just, I don't understand myself. We could spend two months on how you don't understand yourself, praise God. And he says, for what I want to do, you know, he says, for what I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And he's talking about he keep, keeps on falling into some of those same patterns in his life. He doesn't always love what he does. But here's my first confession for you. Here's my first confession. Are you ready? I don't think they're ready. I think I'm a lot happier than you are today. Should I pray again for you guys? Are you ready? 
All right. All right, David. Praise God. Here's the first one. Up until recently, very recently, I viewed myself as a failure in progress instead of a pastor in process. I'll phrase it for you. Up until recently, hopefully today, I viewed myself as a failure in progress rather than a purpose in process. Because oftentimes you have a tendency to look over your life and look at all the failures you have and feel as if God is not with you. You feel as if God maybe has abandoned you. Do I have a witness in the place? There were times in my life, and I, you, you can call me crazy because I really am, I don't care. But there were times in my life, and many pastors feel the same way, and they'll never admit it, where I feel as if God 100% had left me. I feel like, God, if you're with me, then why am I going through all these things? Have you ever felt like, God, the Bible says you're supposed to be with me, but my life is hell right now. So how, how are you with me? but I'm going through hell. There were days where I was 100% convinced that God absolutely hated me. That sounds crazy. The only thing crazier is that most of you oftentimes feel the same way. But we feel as Christians as we can't express these emotions because it's against the scripture. And this is true, but until we confront it, you can't fix it. Until you say, I'm dealing with the fact that I don't always believe what God says. It's not that I don't believe God's word. I don't believe God's word for me. Because by the same token, I was feeling like God hated me, but I was telling somebody else, trust me, God loves you. God is, he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Now look in the mirror and be like, Lewis, God hates you. Because the, let me tell you something. I don't know if you know this. Satan talks the most to the people God wants to use the most. If you feel like the enemy's always right here, you got a purpose. Or a disorder, one of the two, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got purpose. I might have both, I don't know. If you feel like no matter what you do, there's trouble in your life, Trouble in your home, trouble in your job, trouble in your everything. If you feel like that, and it's not because of dumb mistakes you've made, and you know it's just the enemy working against you, you've got a purpose. And the choice you have to make is, am I going to be like God hates me, or I know that God's going to work something out of this. Are you with me? I was buying into that lie that God was angry with me for things I hadn't even done. You ever felt like God was punishing you for something you didn't know what it was? Because you wanted to honor God, you wanted to do right, but everything seemed to go, somebody say, wrong. Here's the real question today. How do I reconcile my circumstance with who God says I am? That's the question I'm, I'm trying to answer today. How do I get from the place of, I know that God has called me, but everything in this area of my life says that God hates me. In my flesh, I feel like because God doesn't want to use me. And then over here, I feel like people are saying God has a purpose for you. I got to a place where I did not want people to tell me that God had a purpose for me and I was pastoring. 
I got to a place where I would pray day and night and say, God, it's obvious to me, it's apparent to me, God, that you hate my guts. And so why don't you just bring another pastor to take over citywide? I wish, I wish more pastors would be as honest as I'm going to be with you for the next three weeks. I told you last year, statistics show 96 or 97, no, excuse me, 87% of pastors struggle with severe depression. 87%. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to shame the devil the next couple weeks. And I'm going to tell you how I overcame some of these things. And it's not to say that, that the devil doesn't come after me still, but this is how I overcome them. Amen. I want to show you what the word of God says about this. How do I reconcile this thing that God has a purpose for me, but he also has a bunch of problems for me? And so to reconcile, when I hear that word, I always think of like somebody doing books, you know, financial books. You have to make each account add up. Because in, in, in God's world, stuff doesn't reconcile easily. Two plus two equals 27 to God. And he doesn't have to tell you why either. Because he's God. Sometimes 10 plus 10 equals negative 54. Because you're doing all these things right and all hell is breaking loose. I wish I had a witness. It's the week that you pray the most that the most hell breaks loose in your life. It's that week that you have problems with the spouse. It's that week the kids act up. It's that week they laid you off at work. I fasted this week. And I got fired? What? This is, I'm not fasting again. This is terrible. Every time I do godly stuff, bad things happen. We would tell people when they join the worship team, listen, bad things are going to happen in your life very soon. People get laid off, you know, sickness, this and that, like just all types of stuff. Don't join the worship team. You get attacked. And, and we would laugh about it because it was just so like, it was just every single time someone joined problem. I know, that's why I said it, girl. What are you talking about? And there's a story in scripture of a man named Joseph. And, and I'm not going to read the whole story of Joseph. It's just so long. I want to read a portion to you. But the story of Joseph is amazing to me because the story of Joseph, Joseph is a young boy who has been called by God. And, and Joseph had these dreams, physical dreams. He had a dream from God. And in his dream, in Joseph's dream, he was, was in the center of a circle and all of his family had about 10 and 11 brothers and, brothers and his father and his whole family was bowing down to him. And, and what it represented was Joseph saying, well, you know, to Joseph and his family, his brothers are like, well, what do you mean, Joseph? Are we going to bow down to you? And Joseph was one of the younger ones. So this is really hard for his brothers to accept. And then Joseph has a second dream. He's like, man, in the second dream, I saw the stars and the sky and the sun and the moon. And they all got around me and I was a star and they bowed down before me. And his brothers hated him because Joseph was one of his father's favorites. And now Joseph is having these dreams of grandeur. These dreams of, of, I'm going to rule over you. I don't know why, but Joseph went and told these people this, and they hated him the more. And Joseph had a great, huge, ginormous purpose in God's eyes. I mean, Joseph had a purpose that was so, Joseph would have a purpose that by the end of the day, you'll see, Joseph saved, literally saved the world. But it wouldn't be to the way that he thought it would be. It's never that way with God. And so in, in Genesis 37, Joseph has been told by his father to go find his brothers and check on them. 
Remember, Joseph's one of the youngest. They hate him. He's favored. Why is he favored? Because their father loved his mother more than the rest of his wives. He gave him a coat of many colors. He loved him, him and his brother Benjamin. Jacob loved them. And this is what the Bible says in verse 12, or rather verse 18 of Genesis. But they saw him from a distance. Somebody say a distance. They saw him from a distance before he reached them, and they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. So come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. If I could stop for just a second, the enemy always tries to put you in a place where he says to you, then we'll see what comes of your dreams. Well, let's see if I could, if I could take this from you, then we'll see what comes of your dreams. Let's see if I can attack you in this capacity, and then let's see what comes of these big dreams you've got. Let's see if I put sickness in your family, then let's see what comes of your dreams. I put a problem in your marriage, then let me see what comes of your big dreams for God. Verse 21, when Reuben, thank God I have a brother named Reuben. (laughs) When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him, thank you Reuben, wherever you are, from their hands. Let's not take his life. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern. I thank Reuben too soon. Here in the wilderness. But don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. I'm back to thanking Reuben. Amen. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off his robe, the ornate robe, the elegant, that means robe that he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern, a well, dry well. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Verse 25, as they sat down to eat their meal, (coughs) they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. For after all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. And so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Took him to Egypt. Joseph, this big dreamer, sold into slavery. Come on, bow your heads. The Heavenly Father, we thank you. Your word is already blessed. We ask you now, you open our spiritual ears. Have your way in this service as we move forward, God. Open our hearts, speak to us, encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I can relate to Joseph. As a young boy, God always instilled in me great dreams. God instilled in my heart great visions for my life when I was 16, 17 years old. Not that I would rule my family, but that God would use me as something great in our city. God had always promised me in my own heart that he would use me in a great, powerful way. And it's one thing to have God tell you these things, but when everything in your life begins to look like the exact opposite of what God has said, it makes you question the purpose and the plan for your life. It makes you question the dreams that you had. 
There's no doubt in my mind that as Joseph is being sold into slavery and he realizes this is not a joke, it's not a bad joke, where are the dreams now for me? How could God have called me if I'm enduring such things in my life? Joseph is now a slave. He went from being a dreamer to being a slave. He went from being the person who was in his dream being bowed down to, to now having to bow down to everyone as a slave. And I don't know about you, but but Joseph could have asked God to choose a better way through the purpose he had for him. Your, Your ways are not God's ways, the Bible tells us. The way you would do something is not exactly how God would do something. I got to be honest, at this point, if I were Joseph, I might have given up on the dream that God had given him. For if God has such a high place for me, why would I have to sink so low? Well, if God had a big plan for me, why did I have to feel so small as a slave in Joseph's eyes? What did I do wrong, God, to deserve this? Have you ever endured a trial that wasn't your fault and asked God, God, why do I go through this? I didn't do anything. God, why am I enduring hardship if I've been nothing but faithful? God, if I'm doing what you call me to do, then why is my life hurting? I wish I had an honest church today. God, if if I'm faithful to you, then why is my world falling apart? Here's, you know, I have three points. Here's point number one. This is the big thing that I did. Don't mistake the pain of process as the birth of failure. Don't mistake the pain of God's process as the birth of failure in your life. You see, it's easy to receive a promise. It's hard to endure a process. You see, God will promise you something bigger than your ability to do, sustain, or or hold by yourself. God will give you a dream that that doesn't fit you. It's like buying a baby size 10 shoes. God knows you have to grow into it. But he lets you know at a young age, listen, I got a special call on your life. I'm letting you know 25 years in advance so that when you get older, you will remember that I called you and you can't do anything else with your life. That's why that last song we sang makes perfect sense. You remind me of the things that I've forgotten, of the purposes you placed in me before I went through the storm. Because the the easy thing to do after the storm is look at all the damage, look at all the hurt, rather than look at how much stronger you've come out of it. Don't mistake the pain of the process as the birth of failure. Although, It was not immediately obvious God was preparing Joseph. Oftentimes, this is where I failed God. I would see a hardship and feel a pain and mistook it for failure and didn't realize that God was smuggling me in through hardship. God was using hardship to hide me from the enemy. God put things so hard on my life, the enemy didn't bother to bother me because God was processing me. And I got to this place in my life where I was like, God, I I hate being a pastor. I can't stand being a pastor. Dealing with all this stuff, dealing with all these people. God, I don't want to do this. And then I had to remember that God did this all throughout Scripture. Have you ever felt like you could give God a better plan than the one he's using in your life? Like, God, being a slave isn't exactly the best way that you should bring me into Egypt. 
I, I was just talking to my cousin, and he runs a caravan up and down the other mountain, and he said he can get me into Egypt in two weeks whenever you needed me. Drop of a dime. You don't have to send me into slavery for 15, 16 years. I got a better plan, God, if you would just help. So don't you wish God would let you help him sometimes? But then you look at scripture, and God made Noah build the ark for over 100 years. By year three, I would have been like, this is not God. I would have stopped. I would have been dead. By year 10, eh, I don't know. By year 60, good, this is not happening. You see how big this thing is? Send me some help. I got my sons. They didn't even want to do this no more. You look all through us, 100 years to build the ark. Look at Abraham. He had to wait 25 years to see Isaac born. And then when he was born, he was over 100, he was 100 years old, and, and he was, his body is as good as dead. Had to totally rely on God. God used the wilderness to prepare Moses. God used blindness to refocus Samson. Yeah, God used fear to bring out the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? God used fear to bring out the favor in Gideon's life. If it wasn't for what Gideon was going through, he would never have been challenged to be the person God called him to be. God used the lion's den to prove himself to Daniel. God used Goliath to show the warrior in David. And God will always use a problem to bring out a blessing. God used the death of Christ to bring life to the world. And, and if, you look throughout, I, if you look throughout Scripture, the Bible says in Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So God says to you, man, I'm going to use you. And sometimes you can be like, well, God said he's going to use me. Devil, get away. God's using me. But then maybe you get too big-headed and God has to bring you down a notch. And God made Joseph humble by using slavery to be the vessel in which he brought him to where he was going to take him in the end. We'll see it later. That God was bringing Joseph to a place where he would rule the known world, being second only to the Pharaoh of Egypt. That God would use Joseph in a mighty way to save the world because there would be a famine for seven years. And God would give Joseph the wisdom he needed in which to store up the grain to provide for the world. And the Bible says that everybody came to Egypt for food. Joseph was a dreamer, but he was hated for his dreams. He had a plan, but God had a purpose. And God's purpose always outweighs your plans. Don't mistake the birthing pains of, of process as failure. Don't mistake the work of God in you as the work of the enemy against you. When it hurts, it's not time to give up on God. I had to find out the hard way how to lay at the altar and cry out to God and get the strength that you needed. I questioned God. I felt like a failure in progress, never realizing I was a pastor in process. You might find yourself feeling like God hates you or God is not with you. You might feel like you're failing in every single area. You're not a failure in progress. You are a purpose in process. And if God doesn't let these things confront you, you never confront them. There were times that I would say, God, I don't want to do this no more. God, I'm tired of this. This is terrible. This is a terrible job. Terrible job. Like, why would you have somebody? This is torture. Why would you have anybody do this job, God? This is terrible. 
But it was in those moments that I realized that I, I forgot about God's word. You ever have a moment where you forget God's word and you're like, oh, wait, I should have remembered that. Have you ever wanted to quit on God? Give up on walking this Christian walk because it got too difficult? And I can't stand people who act like they got it all together. This is easy. I got it. This is prayer. I'm walking with Jesus. and just walking. This is hard. You're a lion. I tell you all the time, if you ain't faced a devil in your life, then you, ain't, you might be heading in the same direction as him. You, 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 this Christian walk is hard. The enemy comes after you. He comes out. But I forgot God's word in Psalms 100 verse 5. Where it says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. For God is promises. It's easy to forget God's promises in the midst of a hard process. It's easy to forget that God has purposed you when you're in pain. I forgot, I forgot what Psalms 136 says. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. But I felt like God hated me. I forgot what verse 2 says. Give thanks to the God of all gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. I felt like he was far from me, but if his love endures forever, then I have to align my vision with the word of God that in my sight, in my human flesh, I had to understand that he was with me and he was not abandoning me. This was not failure. It was process. To him alone who does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. He made the sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon to govern the night, his love endures forever. Who struck down the first born of Egypt, his love endures forever. He brought Israel out from among the Egyptians. His love endures forever. Verse 12, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Seas and asunder, his love endures forever. He brought Israel through the Red Sea. His love endures forever. He swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. I wish you could understand. His love endures forever to him who led the people through the wilderness his love endures forever to him who struck down the great kings his love endures forever and he killed the mighty kings his love endures forever he killed the king of the Amorites his love endures forever he defeated the king of Bashan his love endures forever and he gave us their lands as an inheritance his love endures forever he did it for me his love endures forever oh I love verse 23 he remembered me in my lowly state. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his love. I got to remember God's word in the midst of my hardship for if I don't, I will feel like a failure in progress instead of a pastor in process. Either I believe that God would never leave me and his love endures forever, or God's a liar. 
And because God's unable to lie, I have to tell myself every single day, Lewis, God is with you. God is working through you. Sometimes you got to wake up and be your own coach. God is with you. I don't care if you got to look yourself in the mirror, just brush your teeth first. God is with you. God has a purpose for you. It might not always be easy, but at the end, it'll be worth it. Joseph was, was no failure. God was not abandoning him. He was a man in process. That's every Christian sometimes. It, it, we say that a lot. We're in process. Some of you are like, what are they talking about process, these Christians? That just sounds like Christianese to me. To be in process just means that God is processing your life to take you from where you came to him and where you were at and to remove and to rebuild and to reform and to reshape you and to regenerate your life into the very thing he needs you to be in order to be a vessel used by him. And so every Christian, you come to God, you give your life to him, and God says, this is great. I'm so glad that you came in because I love you. I'm not going to let you stay this way. See all this insecurity? I got to move that because, you know, I'm all powerful and you can lean on me. You see the selfishness? I got to deal with that because you have to be selfless in the faith. You see this hurt? If you don't fix this, you'll never have healthy relationships with people. And God begins to process you. And he allows situations in your life so that you can begin to be processed and formed by him. Joseph was in process. And there's a couple of verses in the Bible that really bother me. And Genesis 39 verse 1 is one of them. Because it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt to Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And he brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2, I don't like verse 2. I'm about to read it. I don't like it at all. Because I'm just going to read it so you can understand why I don't like it. But the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, not only is God with Joseph, but other people see that God is with Joseph. But Joseph is a slave. I got a problem with that. I don't want God to be with me in hardship. I want God to take me out of it and be with me. It's like, God, you're with me, but you're supposed to have the answer for this problem. You ever go through a hard time and someone tells you, oh, but the Lord is with you. I don't care. What is he going to do about my problem? Don't send me that verse. What is he going to do with my problem? That's how we feel. God, I hate this process you got me in. I hate this waiting game. Joseph was a slave. I got a problem with this. And I often felt like Joseph. Oh, God is with me and God is prospering me in the midst of hardship. Don't do me that favor, God. Don't make me grow while I'm in pain. That's how I felt when I'm going through it. With hindsight, I see 2020 and I can give him thanks. Joseph is a slave. But God is with him? I was going through hell, but you mean God is with me? There were days I felt like God was far from me, but God is with me? 
Genesis 21, this happens over and over in Joseph's life. Jo- Joseph got lied on. He, he, the, the, the Potiphar's wife said that Joseph tried raping him or raping her. And so Joseph gets thrown into prison. And, and now the Bible says in verse 21 of 39, chapter 39, Genesis, but the Lord is with Joseph and he showed him steadfast love and he gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. I don't want favor in prison. Just get me out of prison. I don't want favor in heart. God, don't do that. Don't do that blessing for me. But it was the very prison and the jail that would propel Joseph to purpose. Some of you want God to propel you to purpose from the penthouse. And God says, you got to do it from the basement. You got you to let me break you down so that I can build you back up. I don't understand. See, see, I, I look at my own life. What? My father dies and God, you're with me? God, you're with me, but our church had to move to a high school? God, you're with me, but we still don't have a building big enough? God, you're with me, but I'm being ridiculed by other ministries? God, you're with me, but nothing seems like it should be. in my, I don't understand how God could meet me and be with me, but I'm still hurting in different areas of my life. And I would feel like God has failed me. Oh, y'all never felt like that. Oh, I trust God. I'm just trusting him. Here's point number two. If you view life with the filter of failure, you will miss the faithfulness of his formation. You see, formation is another very Christian word. Your Christian formation is the, the road that God takes you on over the course of your walk with God that solidifies what you believe, how you believe, and what you view the world as. So if you ever hear that in church, my formation, it's the process that God used to get you to understand what you believe in. That's what we call it in, in, in pastoral theology and studies. Is it's your Christian formation. And if you view your life as a failure, you will miss the faithfulness of God forming you into what he needs you to be. God was forming me. I always viewed my life as a failure in progress, so I always missed the truth that God was working a new thing in me. God was showing me great things that I didn't know I was capable of. If my dad never died, there would never be a citywide. And so God uses hardship to reveal promise. If we had never discovered there was problems with our zoning at Howard Avenue, we would have never stepped out in faith and gone to Bastic and added 150 people in two years. It was hardship that produced promise. But if I viewed it as a failure, and I would miss the fact that God was forming me, and God was forming me at Bastic to prepare me for the climb. But if there had never been a BOE trying to increase our rent to $2,000 a week, we would have never looked for a better deal across the street. And God used hardship to bring out promise. And I could have said, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. I could have said, God, I'm a failure. Here I go again. Why are you trying to destroy my church that I'm trying to build for you? You make no sense. I'm serious. And that's how we handle problems in our life. We complain until we see the promise. But how about instead you prepare for the promise? You understand that I'm going through this hardship because God is forming me. God is doing a work in me. God 
is birthing something new in me. If there was no rental increase, we wouldn't be at the decline and we would have never thought that we could afford this place. God is forming us here. God is doing a work in us here. You see, when I first took over the church, as a matter of fact, before I took over the church, when I was just a young adult at 20 years old, and I was a little bit shorter than I am now, but that's not the point. And 30 pounds lighter, praise God. Back then, I would, I, we had like two speakers, maybe this size. Two speakers, this size, but, but not as powerful as these. And, and that was our whole sound system. And I made it my business to learn about sound because nobody else wanted to help me. And I would go ask questions and I would go do this and do that and do this and do that. And then I learned about lighting and I learned about piano and music and this and that. And why, why am I talking about this? Because all that hardship of learning prepared me for mobile church. It was, it was when I was 21 years old before I was at a pastoring and I'm sitting at CMS. But why does this speaker have to go there? Why does this wire work like that? What does this do? Well, why is this better? How many watts is that? Well, how will I do this? Or how will I do that? And then when I saw God bring me to the Bastic High School, it was easier to understand what God was doing. And it was easy for me to teach people about how to do all this. Because God was forming me even as a young man. And I could have looked at it like, man, we ain't got no sound equipment. Oh, we ain't got nothing. If God called this church, he would have given us this and that. Maybe God didn't call me. But instead, I went and made it my business to learn stuff. And now we see all that God is doing through the preparation he made in me years ago. And each time, each time a hardship came, I'm telling you, I felt defeated. But each time, God was forming me. Every time, I felt like God had abandoned me. But let me tell you, each time, God was removing a a fear. God was removing a self-reliance. God was removing me trying to believe in Lewis. And he was saying, Lewis, you got to lean on me. And I know Bastic is ugly. I know the curtains are ripped. I know half the lights don't work. I know the security guards are lazy. I know the place is dirty. I know the bathrooms stink. But you got to trust me. I'm like, God, why would you bring me here? It's like dressing up a pig for the prom. Like, God, why? But as we saw the growth in the ministry, come on, I wish I had a witness. As we saw, as we saw God do it, and, and we've talked about it for years. We always talked about our church growing. We always talked about God doing big things. But when the hardship came that would propel us to the greater work, we all, I don't know about this. God, why? I thought I was a failure in progress, not understanding I was a pastor in process. And I had to learn how to change my filter to be able to understand that God was not failing me, but he was forming me. You have to understand that when you endure a hardship, God is forming you. God is, he's saying, you know, if you could endure this, Lewis, trust me, if you could endure this right here, if you could, if you could take care of this mobile church here, I can give you a bigger building. I can do X, Y, Z. I can, if, you could, if you could survive at Bassick, I can make you survive at the Klein. If you could survive in Bridgeport, you could survive in any state you go to. If you could survive in one of the, the spiritually darkest places in the country, the Northeast, if you could thrive here. If you could build a big church here, Lewis, you could do it anywhere. God's forming me. 
And I've learned recently, very recently, it wasn't until I got to the climb that I sat down one day and looked back over my life and said, God, now it makes sense. You weren't failing me. You were forming me. God, you've been preparing me. I don't know who I'm speaking to. You're going through hardship, but it's not because you're failing. It's because you're forming. All the hardship you've endured is not because you are a failure. Look to the person next to you. You are not a failure. Put your finger in your, you are not a failure. You are being formed by God. The things in your life that you look like they're trying to destroy you, don't worry about him who's trying to destroy you. Focus on him who has destined you. For him who has destined you is greater than him who is trying to destroy you. Joseph would learn the needed skills to carry and manage a household at Potiphar's house. Joseph would learn how to do things in the prison that he would never learn nowhere else. Because nobody else would do it for Joseph. God will put you in places where you will learn in the pit to be able to operate in the palace. God will show you how to carry yourself while you're a slave in order to elevate you to something great. And the Bible says one day, these two men came to Joseph. These two men came to Joseph and a baker and a butler. A baker and a butler, sounds funny, a baker and a butler came to Joseph. And the Pharaoh, the king of all Egypt, the strongest country in the world at the time, he had gotten mad at his baker and his butler and he sent them both to prison. And they both had dreams and nobody could interpret their dreams. And they came to Joseph and Joseph interpreted their dreams. And then the Bible says that, that the dreams came true as Joseph prophesied it, as Joseph said it. And then the Pharaoh had a dream. And when they had somebody and they needed somebody to interpret the Pharaoh's dream, who they go to but little old prisoner Joseph? But if Joseph had never gotten to Potiphar's house to understand that slavery was God's purpose for him at the moment, he would have never got lied on and been cast into jail to meet a butler and a baker who would propel him to the palace one day. And you got to understand that everything in your life God is using for his glory. Everything in your life God is using for his purpose. And I love the story of Joseph because everybody has a dream. But I believe the way God unlocks your dream is when you unlock the dreams of others. When you can help somebody else accomplish their vision for their life, God will help you accomplish yours. And Joseph unlocks the dream of Pharaoh. And all this time, God was forming Joseph. God is faithful to form you. He's faithful to form you through hardship. It may not be the first choice that you want to go down. You want to go down that path, that, that route. But through it, God will minister to you. Through it, God will form you. And God I love this, God. Here's point number three. I just give it to you. God only forms what he intends to fill. God only forms what he intends to fill. It's easy sometimes to feel like God has forgotten you. It's easy sometimes to feel like everything is just mundane and the same, but God is forming you. The things you've gone through in your life are for a reason and for a purpose, and God forms you in order to fill you and use you because God would not spend time forming something he has no purpose for. God forms you to fill you. He wants to use you in his work. Everything you've endured up until this point is because God is forming you 
so he can fill you. And scripture says that Joseph's brothers came to Joseph, didn't even recognize him, didn't know it was him. Over a couple of chapters in scripture, the Bible says that Joseph, you know, for lack of a better term, played some games with his brother. But finally, Joseph reveals himself to them. He's not mad at them. He knows that what God has done is great. He brings his whole family into Egypt, saves his family from this great famine that was hitting the earth. And then Jacob passes away, Joseph's dad, and his brothers begin to be fearful that Joseph would get retribution now that his dad is dead, that Joseph would pay them back for their devious deeds. Look what Joseph says in verse 19 of chapter 50. One of my favorite verses. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? For you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. What's being done? He says right there, the saving of many lives. Joseph had the ability after he realized that he was not a failure. He realizes that God is processing him. He's been faithful to God the entire time. God is with him throughout the entire process. He's made it to the palace. He can look back over his life and say, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And for a purpose. What purpose? The saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. I had to learn that. God was filling me and forming me. And what Satan meant for my destruction, God turned it around for his glory. You have to believe that there's going to be a turnaround in your life. you got to trust God for the turnaround. you got to trust God for that moment where things begin to make sense. Because sometimes life won't make sense, but there'll be that moment like Joseph. Oh, I get it now. You, you positioned me to translate the dream of the Pharaoh. I get it now, God. You gave me the wisdom of Potiphar's house. I I get it now, God. I wouldn't have had it if I came my own way. I wouldn't have had the entry level. I wouldn't have had that if I did it my way. But because I endured the process that God had for me, I have now been put in the proper place, given the proper wisdom. You think you're going through hardship for no purpose. Look for the wisdom in the midst of the pain. Look for the lesson in the midst of the hurt. Because I can look back now and say, God, you were preparing me and you were filling me and forming me. In the moments I felt like I was failing and you were failing me, you had me at my lowest so that you could bring me to my highest point. You had me. If I had never endured the hardship, I don't know what your story is. If you had never endured the divorce, you would have never met the God-fearing woman or man you got now. If you had never lost your job, you would have had the career you have now. If you had never gone through that hardship, you would have never ran to the feet of God. He was forming you even in the midst of pain. And it's easy to act not, not like if it's no big deal. It's easy to forget the goodness of God in the midst of pain. But if you can look back and see God forming your life even through the hardship, you should give him praise. You should understand, in the hard times, God formed you. And God did a great work in you. 
I love verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. What's being done? The saving of many lives. I might end up saying this verse to myself the rest of my life. What Satan meant for, the, for my destruction, God meant for my good. What is that? The saving of many lives. The saving of many lives in Bridgeport. The saving of many lives across our city. The saving of many lives across our state. The saving of many lives across our nation as people hear our podcast. The saving of many lives of Martin, who's in Puerto Rico, probably listening right now. The saving of many lives of the people who wouldn't even know the lives that we transform that we don't even know. The saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. I'll prove it to you right now. I'll prove it to you right now. If, 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 you, if you join this church while we were still at Howard Avenue way back then, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? If you joined this church when we were at Howard Avenue, would you stand to your feet? That wasn't but three years ago. Jesenia, the saving of many lives. I wish you would praise them, the saving of many lives. God working in you, the saving of many lives, the faith that we had as a small group. Oh, I wish you would praise them. Look around you, the saving of many lives. We might have felt like a failure at certain times, but here we are singing now, the saving of many lives. God is doing a mighty, mighty work through the very few who are faithful way back then, the saving of many lives. You felt like a failure. We felt like God had abandoned us a certain time. You can sit back down. You might want to jump up later and praise him. I don't know. But John, the saving of many lives. Remember on Edwin Street, we would sit in your little dinky apartment on the pergo floors, and we'd be like, man, we could take over. And you, you, would, you would go to Florida, and you would see those big churches, and every time you came back, you would look at me, that's it. I know we could do it. Do you remember all those times, man, that we spent in the office dreaming up dreams of how God would do great things? And sometimes we felt crazy. Where's Melissa Spato? Remember when I asked you in my office, my office when we were at Aubrey Fun, where do we see us in five years? You said a big theater. That's what you said. We had the wrong one. We're here. That's what you said, girl, right? We're here. I can see us doing F. We didn't go through the road that we thought we would, but God got me here anyway. I ended with this. It's this faith I have now, this new faith I found when I ended up coming to the decline. And it's this idea that the God who got me here is the God who will get me there. The God who helped me through that hardship is the same God who's going to get me through the next phase of my life. He got me here. He will get me there. And when he's done with me there, he will get me here. And he will keep on moving me. It's not up to me. I'm not a failure in progress. I'm a pastor in process. I know God's plan for me. I'm in process. Eight years in the game, I still consider myself brand new. I got dozens of pastors coming to me for advice. I don't know why. I'm just like, listen, I don't know what we're doing. Don't ask me what I'm doing. I don't know. We sing. We preach. We have ushers. I mean, what? Well, what's your process? I don't know. Ask John. I just preach. Because I'm in process. 
never want to look at myself like I'm a finished work. Because then I'll finish working. But as long as I see myself as a nobody, as a, as a kid still on the come up, I had a bishop tell me five years ago, six years ago, we were sitting at a diner, and he said, he said, Burgos, what you're going through is great. What you're going through is fantastic. Every church has seasons of growth. Don't get used to it, son. There'll come a time where you're going to be in the valley, and God going to stop. Six years later, I'm sorry, Bishop, we still growing. I take this season as long as God gives it to me. He's probably right, but as long as I'm in that growth season, I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to thank God. Because I know that God, through the whole time, he's forming me. And if God's forming the pastor, he's forming the church. If God's forming the pastor, he's forming the people. If God's forming me, he's forming my staff. He's forming all of us. We are not who we used to be. God has done a great work in us. If you're going through tough times in your marriages, in your home, I'm telling you, the people who endure in their marriages are called to the greatest purposes. If you're going through, you're in formation. You're not failing, you're in formation. You're in formation. If you're struggling to stay on the road of righteousness, you're not failing, you're in formation. The thing about Citywide is we're like a fast-forward kind of church. Like, you have to catch up because God moves really fast here. And you may have to endure in two years when some Christians get the, get the luxury of 10 years to go through. No, God needs you to mature because there's more coming behind you. God needs you to grow. There's more coming behind you. God needs you to serve. There's more coming behind you. God needs you to do something for the kingdom. There's more coming behind you. He's forming. Look to somebody next to him. He's forming you. He's forming you for a great purpose, a great work. And here's the promise of God. I will only form what I intend to fill. For why would God form something he didn't plan on using? He's with you. And the God that got you here, citywide, the God that got us here will get us to the next place. The God who is working miracles here will work it in the next place. The God who is working a great thing here will do it in the next building. And then the next building, and then the next campus, and the next church, and the next great venture we do, God will be there with us. You're not a failure in progress. You're a purpose in process. And the God of all gods, he's with you. The Lord of all lords, he's protecting you. He's guiding you. I no longer feel like a failure. I know God is working in me. I no longer struggle with the fact that if I'm called or not. I know I'm called because pastors keep calling me. What are you doing? Don't know. I'm just called. How'd you do that? I don't know. I'm just called. I have a godly boldness now. Now I don't have to walk in a room like this. I walk in like, I'm called. Not arrogantly. I just know that God's called me. If you would have asked me before, I would have said, God called me. But now I say, with my short little self, God called me. Yeah, I'm here. We're in Bridgeport. God called us. He destined us to be here. 
He had me born in this great city for a great purpose. God called. Look to somebody next to you. God called you. God called us. Believe in him. Trusting him. Knowing that God will do a great work through us. A Joseph story with us. From the pit of Bassett to the palace of the climb. Praise God. God has a purpose for every single one of you. And oftentimes you might feel like you're failing, missing the mark. Feel like there's trouble in your home, trouble in your life, trouble in your mind. It's hard to stay on the walk of God, but God's forming you. God has a purpose for you. And it's going to be for the glory of the Father. Would you stand to your feet this early afternoon? Come on, the God that got me here is the same God that will get me there. The God that's working in me now is the same God who will finish the work later. The God who is allowing me to endure some hardship now is the same God who will teach me later. <laughs> I like how Jimmy Swagger's church used to say back in, back in the old days, he's the God that will never fail. He won't fail you. He's with you. And I want to pray over every single person today struggling feeling as if maybe God has abandoned you struggling maybe feeling as if you are failing struggling in your home struggling in your walk with God wondering why all hell breaking loose wondering why you're doing things right but everything's going wrong wondering you're tempted to even stop doing right you're wondering why God why am I going through this come on you're in formation it's a process. Sometimes it's painful. But man, it is purposeful. And at the end of it all, God gets the glory. Come on, would you bow your heads all across this place? If in some way, some form, some fashion, you know that God is dealing with you in some way, you're feeling some failures anywhere in your life. I don't care where it is. I'm not going to do an altar call. I want to pray over you right, right where I'm at. Would you lift your hand right now? If that's you, you felt like at some point some, you're failing. I'm not hitting the mark. I'm not doing right. My ministry ain't working. My marriage ain't working. I started giving and my finances got hit. I'm not even, I, I, I can't do it without you, God. I'm failing in my walk with you, God. I can't even stay out of trouble. Come on, hands up all over this place. That's you, that's you. God, I'm, I'm dealing with some hardships right now. Pastor, you're talking straight to my heart right now. I've been struggling. I want you to open your hand as much as you can. Open your hand. We're going to be really literal today. I want you to catch this word. I want you to understand this word. Here's the word of the Lord over every single one of you. You are not a failure in progress. You're a great purpose in process. You are not a failure in progress. You are a great purpose in process. Quickly, close your hands. Now, the words that I spoke are not in your hands. But it is symbolic saying, God, I'm grabbing a hold. This is my act of faith. I am grabbing a hold of the words you're speaking over my life. And though the enemy speak a different word, and although the enemy has a different report, I will believe the report and the word of the Lord over anybody in my life. And the God 
who got me here will be the God who will get me there. Come on, lifting your hands as high as you can. Close fist. Believing God. God, it's my step of faith. I receive the word that you've spoken over my life. You have not abandoned me. Your love endures forever. You are faithful to the end of time. When I don't act faithful myself, you are still faithful to me. I thank you, God, because today I am leaving with the knowledge that I am not a failure, but I am a purpose in your process. And I understand the pain that I have been enduring is not the birth of a failure. It is the birth of a process in me. That the hurt that I'm feeling is you removing the things that don't align with your will. You breaking the relationships that don't align with your will. It is you breaking away the hurt, the pain, the scars, the lies of Satan that I believed in. It is you pulling them away. Setting me up for success. Setting me up for your purpose. I'm believing it, God. I'm receiving it, God over my marriages, over my home, over my children, over my household, over my ministries, over my purpose that I believe that God has called, over my job, over my car, over every area of my life. I'm just going to believe you, God, that you're with me. You're forming me, but only so that you can fill me. Here's the last part. But God, when you fill me, that God, when you fill me, I promise to pour out. I promise to pour out. I promise to pour out on every soul that is needy. I promise to pour out on every soul that needs exaltation to the cross of Christ. I I promise, God, I promise I will pour out on every individual who needs guidance in their walk. Where I once was just like them, I will pour out and get them to where you called them to. I won't hold this blessing in. I won't hold this water of life in me. I won't hold this purpose you give. I will pour it out over our family. I'll pour it out over the young kids in my neighborhood. I'll pour it out over my community. I will pour it out over my co-workers. I will lead somebody else to you I will pour you are forming me to fill me but when you fill me I will pour out that you might be glorified and although I may be pouring from pain although I may be pouring from a hardship although I may be pouring in a place where it hurts I know you're forming me I know you're filling me I know you're faithful. We decree it. We declare it. We know your word is true, God. Lord, that we can be like Joseph. We can be like Joseph and say, oh, what you meant for my destruction, what you meant for bad, what you intended for for bad, God, God intended for good, for the saving of many lives, for the saving of many lives. This is the word of the Lord to you today. It's for the saving of many lives. Father, we thank you. We thank you 
the worship team's about to sing a song. Before they do, I want to give you the opportunity just to bless God and seal this right now with a praise. Thank him right now for what you're believing he's going to do. I, I dare you to thank him right now for what in advance. It's easy to praise him after it's done. Thank him right now for the healing in your home, in your marriage, in your heart, in your mind, in your finances. I pray, th- thank him now in advance before he's, don't stop now. Praise him. Thank him. God, I know it was only you. I know only you could have done it. I know that only you, that's right, that's right. Come on, let them shout to him. I know only you. Only you could have done it, God. Only you could have used me, God. Only you could have filled me, God. Only you could have healed me, God. Only you could have prospered me, God. Only you could have put me here, God. Only you could have called me like this, God. We thank you.